0: Well, this morning I'm excited. We're going to begin a little two-week sermon series entitled "Riding Shotgun." And I don't know uh, how many of you uh, are get excited about that. How many know what that means to ride shotgun? Anyone know what that means to ride shotgun? Very good. Okay. Well, uh, when my kids were little, and anytime we were going somewhere, and uh, and they and and Kelly was not going with us, and it was just going to be me and the kids, man, there was always a race to the car. Do y'all remember doing that? Any of y'all ever guilty of doing that? Race to the car, shotgun, shotgun, shotgun. Right. I mean, everybody's wanting to ride shotgun and what's interesting about that little phrase riding shotgun is you can actually trace it back into what we would consider maybe western times when they had stage coaches and every stagecoach had a driver right they had the guy that had the reins and he was driving the stagecoach, and sitting right next to him was literally a guy with a shotgun how cool is that Jonathan I mean to think they got to ride around with that loaded shotgun there and and the guy that was riding shotgun it was his job right to protect the cargo that was on the stagecoach, whether it was people or whether it was silver or whether it was gold. Well, let me just tell you something exciting today. God is inviting us to ride shotgun. God is inviting us to join him on this amazing journey and be a part of something called Christianity. And God is inviting us into this awesome, awesome adventure. And here's the good thing about riding shotgun with Jesus. There's enough seats for everybody. Right? So everybody can ride shotgun. And I I was just thinking for all of us guys out there, just the thought that God would entrust us with a gun is pretty cool. All you ladies probably don't get it, but for all the guys out there, that's just a pretty cool thought that God would ask us to ride shotguns. So let's just talk a little bit about this today. So living a life, look at this first point on your outline, living a life of faith often looks looks a lot like an extended road trip. We sometimes spiritually set the cruise control, we get relaxed, and we often find ourselves lost, frustrated, and wondering how we've gotten here. When that happens, it's usually because we're leading ourselves and doing life our way instead of God's way. I don't know if you've ever found yourself in a place where you just woke up one morning and you looked at your life and you thought, oh my gosh, how'd I get here? You ever had those moments? where you kind of looked around and you thought, how in the world did I get here? And usually that how did I get here moment is not a great moment. It's not like, wow, this is amazing. How did I get here? It's like, oh, my gosh, this is horrible. How did I get here? How did I get to a place where me and my wife are no longer even on the same page in the same book and now we're looking at each other across the living room wondering what we're going to do with our relationship? How did I ever get to a place where I was so emotionally and physically and spiritually frazzled and exhausted that I don't have the mental stamina or spiritual strength to just even put one foot in front of the other? How did I get to this place where financially I'm looking at what am I going to do? How am I not going to get through the next month or the next year, but maybe financially, how? am I going to get through one more day of life? Because things are so bad. And I don't know if you've ever got there, but this is what I can tell you. If you've ever been there, and I've been there unfortunately a few times in my life where I've looked around and thought, how did I get here, God? The common denominator is that every time we end up in one of those places, you can be sure of one thing. Somewhere along the way, we stop following him. Somewhere along the way, we kind of missed the path and the purpose and the plan that God had for us. And somewhere along the way, we took the reins. We took the reins from the hand of God, and instead of riding shotgun, we decided we wanted to take over this thing and live life our way. See, there's a great scripture. It's in Proverbs chapter 14. It's not on the screen, but if you want to write it down, Proverbs 14, 12. The Bible says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. There's a way that seems right to a man, and, and I don't know about you guys, I, have you ever made a decision, and when you were making the decision, you thought, man, this is the right thing to do, and then it's like sometimes two minutes after you make the decision, you're like, oh my gosh. You ever had one of those moments? Where up to the moment you were making the decision, you thought this is the right thing to do. And literally, I'm talking moments after you make the decision, you pull the trigger on the decision-making gun in your life. And the moment you pull the trigger, you're like, oh, my God. You ever tried to pull those things back just as quick as you released them into the world? I mean, I've had those moments in my life. And here's the thing that we need to understand. There is a way that seems right to a man. If we exclude God from the decision-making, direction-setting path of our life, we're going to set ourselves up for some crazy things. And not only is there a way that seems right to a man, but here's what I found out. If I ask enough people, I'll find somebody to agree with me. You ever had somebody ask you their opinion, your opinion about something? What do you think I'll do? What do you think God says about this? And you give it to them, and then they go ask 10 other people? <laughs> you ever wonder, why, why do we do that? I'm not going to say, why do they do that? Because we're all guilty of that, right? We've all been guilty of that little thing. Why, why do we do that? Why do we keep asking the same question to different people? Let me tell you why. Because we're looking for somebody most of the time that will agree with us. Because there's a way that seems right to a man. And we get these ideas and these images in our life many times about the decision, the directions that we want to take. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we'll take the reins out of the hand of God and we'll we'll get in a place that we never were intended to be and we will find ourselves wondering, how did I ever get here? I want you to see a scripture, John chapter 14 the Bible says this, Jesus is with his disciples, and Jesus is challenging them to follow him. You know the way, he says, and Thomas says, no, we don't, Lord. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? And I love what Jesus says in verse 6. I am the way, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. As I was praying over that scripture, I just had this little simple thought. Jesus said, I am the way. So here's here's a simple thought I want to share with us today. It's impossible to follow God's path and not follow follow Jesus Christ. Jesus is the path. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And I believe that God has a path for my life. I believe that God has a purpose and a plan for every purpose or every person on planet earth. I don't believe anybody was accidentally created. I believe you were formed and fashioned by God with a distinct purpose. But here's the challenge. The challenge is simply this. I've got to make sure that I'm letting God set the direction of my life. And I don't take the reins away from him because Jesus said, I am the way. And if I'm going to follow God's path, I've got to follow Jesus Christ. That one scripture is evidence that all roads don't lead to heaven. Amen. There's only one way and his name is Jesus. Look at that next point on your outline. As believers, one of our primary roles as followers of Jesus Christ is to let him lead. We have to be willing on a daily basis to surrender our lives and say, Jesus, take the will. Come on, country music fans. What's the lady's name? Carrie Underwood. Underwood. I knew y'all would know. Y'all are smart. Jesus, take the wheel because today, God, I'm going to ride shotgun. Let me just say, that little decision has to happen on a daily basis. It is one thing for you to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and it's another thing for you to give him leadership over every decision that governs your life. And God is calling us to that place. God is calling us. And I believe that one of our primary roles as believers in Jesus Christ is that we're supposed to follow him. And let me just share a couple things. The Holy Spirit share with me. He said, Keith, do you realize you can't be a follower unless you have a leader and your leader is not really your leader unless you're following his lead. Jesus said it in Luke six. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? If one of our primary roles as believers in Jesus Christ is that we're supposed to follow him, guess what? I can't be a follower unless I've got a leader. And my leader is not really my leader unless I'm following his lead. And it's really easy for me and you to say, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. And it's another thing to allow lordship to equal leadership in my life. Because that's really the way it should happen. Lordship should equal leadership. If Jesus is Lord of my marriage, then it should equal leadership in my marriage. If he's Lord of my finances, it should equal leadership in my finances. If he's Lord of my heart and my mind and my soul, then he should equal, that lordship should equal to leadership that he is leading and guiding me in the path and the purpose that he really does have for me. So, Psalms 23, what a great scripture. Listen to what the Psalms, that David said. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Now, let me ask you a very important question. What do shepherds do? Shepherds lead. And what do sheep do? Sheep follow. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. He's my leader. And I'm the sheep. And I'm going to follow him. And then he makes this amazing statement, because I want you to see this. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. And the King James says, I shall not want. NLT says, and I have all that I need. Here's the good news about following Jesus. When Jesus is leading your life, his leadership provides a place of provision and protection where everything that you need is found in him. This is what I've recognized in my life. I've recognized that every time there is a deficiency, every time there's lack, every time there's relational deficiency, every time there's financial deficiency, every time there's spiritual deficiency, every time there's emotional deficiency, somewhere along the line, I stop following his leadership. And when you read the rest of the scripture, let me just go ahead and read the next few verses to you. It says, he lets me rest in green meadows. You know what I see a lot in our, in our nation today, I see a lot of Christian people, man, they are exhausted. They're exhausted. You know, any exhausted Christians, I I have tried to remove this word busy from my vocabulary. I can't stand it. When people say, Pastor Keith, I know you're busy. I'm like, no, I'm not busy. I'm on purpose. I'm fruitful and I'm dedicated and I'm on purpose, but I'm not busy. Because I meet people, they're just busy, 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 busy. And they are exhausted. And they don't have the emotional, they don't have the physical, and they don't have the spiritual energy to do what God is calling them to do almost on any level of their life because they're physically exhausted. Let me just tell you something. If you're in a place of physical lack and deficiency, you've stopped following the leadership of the Holy Spirit and the leadership of the Good Shepherd. Because look what the Bible said. He lets me rest in Green Meadows. Man, when you follow God, you know what God will do? Yeah, he'll work you hard. (laughs) But he'll also refresh your soul. He'll bring you to a place where there is rest and refreshment for your life so that you can find the energy that you need to do what God has called you to do. And I believe God's all in favor 110% for hard work and dedicated work and committed work. But also know that in the leadership of the Lord, there is a place of rest. Because if you don't physically rest, if you don't emotionally rest, if you don't spiritually rest, guess what happens? You burn up, you burn out, and you're gone. And we've all seen people burn up and burn out. We've all seen people who physically were no longer able to sustain the life that God had for them because they refused to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Look what else he says. He says, and he will give me rest. He leads me beside peaceful streams. How many know there's some peace in God? If you're living a life with no peace, you're not following the Lord. Let me say that again. If you're living a life with no peace, you're not following the Lord. That's why I said to you just a few moments ago, everything that's happened this week has been very disappointing, but I'm not discouraged because I've got peace. I really have peace and I'm more excited. I'm just, I'm just be honest. I'm excited about serving God in every season that comes, no matter what it looks like to my flesh, because God is good and God is big and God is force. And if God be forced, then who can be against us? He says he renews my strength. He guides me along the right path, bringing honor to his name. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. You're rotting your staff. They protect me and they comfort me. Right? Where God leads, God provides. And there is provision and protection that comes from the Lord when we follow his leadership. He is the good shepherd. And I've shared the story. You guys have heard the story about the difference between the shepherd and the butcher. The butcher drives the sheep. Right, The butcher drives the sheep to the slaughter. But the good shepherd, you know what the good shepherd does? He leads the sheep. Christianity is about this crazy invitation from God. It's this invitation where God invites us to follow him and be a part of this awesome thing called the kingdom of a holy God. Psalms 55, look at that last verse there. Psalms 55 says this It says, Give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip or to fall. He will not permit the godly to slip or fall. Give your burdens to the Lord. So look at that next point. So God doesn't want to control your life, He's not a manipulator. He's not this great puppet master in heaven that wants to put you on strings and control every little thing you do. No, God is not a manipulator or a puppet master. He is a good shepherd that wants to lead you and he leads me and you by inviting us to join the journey. By inviting us to join the journey called Christianity and follow him. So God doesn't want to control us. He wants to be a part of it. He wants to be a part of it so he can influence our life. And when we surrender by letting him lead and literally drive our lives lives by taking the wheel, come on, Jesus, not only are we along for an amazing ride, but we get to watch him work, literally signs, wonders, and miracles. I heard the Lord say this to me this week. He said, Keith, I'm not looking for mindless monkeys. I'm looking for willing participants. I'm looking for people that will answer the invitation to follow me. I'm looking for somebody that wants to ride shotgun with me. Somebody that wants to join me on the journey that I have destined and purposed for their life. Somebody that wants to be a part of the kingdom. Somebody that wants to be a part of something that is bigger than themselves. And when you think about the shepherd, the good shepherd leading and guiding us, think about what he does. The shepherd goes before the sheep. So guess what? If you're following Jesus, you're never going to step into a moment that he hasn't already prepared for you. If you're following Jesus, you're never going to step into a moment that he hasn't already prepared for you. And then he goes before us, and guess what he does? He calls us by name, and he says, come and follow me. Now, here's the realization. The the, the defining mark that makes God not a dictator that wants to control us, but a good shepherd that wants to lead us, is that if you live under a dictatorship, you don't have a choice. Right, The dictator puts a ring in your nose and says, you're going to follow me. The good shepherd goes before you, and then he invites you to come to him. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. You don't have to follow Jesus. You don't have to follow God. You can choose your own path. You can live your life your own way. And as I heard one guy say one time, how's that working out for you? (laughs) Right? You can do it. You can live your life your way. You are not going to be manipulated and dominated and controlled by God, but you are going to be invited by him to follow a path that he has laid out for your life. And when you follow him, every step that you take has been prepared for you to enter in to what God has for you. Even in the difficult times, even in the challenging times, even into what would seem like unpredictable times, when you're following the leadership of the Lord in your life and you're riding shotgun with Jesus, you're in a place where everything you need is always present in that moment. You're never in a place of lack. Kelly and I were talking about this verse this week, and the Holy Spirit just quickened. We were praying over you guys. We pray over our church. We pray over our church family. pray over our nation. And we have prayer time every morning together. And as we were praying and talking about this scripture right here that the Holy Spirit brought up, the Lord showed me. He said, Keith, he said, if if you follow me and you have everything that you need because I'm your shepherd, he said, then if there's something, there's never a moment in your life where you are at a deficit where you are not fully equipped to do what I'm calling you to do. Now, what happens is many times we think we need things, and we say, well, Lord, if I could just have this, I would serve you. If I could just have this, I would follow you. If I could just have this, I would take the next step. And the Lord says, if I am your shepherd and you're really following me, then where you're at right now, you already have everything you need to take the next step. So let me just give you some good news today. You're not waiting on God. He's waiting on you. You're not waiting on him to provide what you need. He's already provided what you need because if you're following him and he's called you unto himself, he's already went before you and paved the way for you to come into what he has for your life. And that's some pretty good news because if he's a shepherd, he's in front of us. Amen. And he is inviting us to ride shotgun with him. Look at John chapter 15. Jesus said, I've loved you even as the father loved me. So remain in my love. And when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. How many you know that when you follow him, there is a joy in Jesus you can't get anywhere else? I mean, there's a joy in Jesus. There is a joy and there is a peace that comes from following God and doing what he's called you to do and walking in unison with him and enjoying the journey with God. There is a joy and a peace in Jesus. You can't get anywhere else. And here's the good thing about that. If the world didn't give it to you, the world can't take it away. See, if your joy comes from the Lord, then your joy is steadfast in him, and it's not ebbing and flowing based upon the circumstances of your life. It is a steady flow of the joy unspeakable and full of glory that God wants to give to us. And there is joy and there is peace in him. So when we follow him and allow him to lead our lives and literally take the wheel, so to speak, of our lives, all of a sudden we find ourselves along for this amazing journey where there is joy and there is peace. But look at John 15. We're going to back up and start at the first verse. It says, Jesus speaking, I am the true grapevine. My father is a gardener. And he cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. So remain in me and I will remain in you. For the branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. And those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Let me tell you what happens when we abide in him. When we follow him. When we abide in Christ and we follow his leadership, something amazing happens. All of a sudden, God starts doing things in us. The supernatural work of the Holy Spirit begins to happen in our lives. How many of you can honestly say, I'm not who I used to be because of Jesus? Anybody? Praise God. If you can't raise your hand today, today you'll be able to. Come on, I'll give you a chance. Because he can change your life. The realization is, I'm not who I used to be. And when you abide in him and when you follow him, when I was 19 years old, I'm about to be 49 next month, so 30 years ago, I was saved when I was 15, but when I was 19 years old, I I made this, this conscious decision that I was going to surrender my daily life to Christ. Now, I was born again when I was 15, and I was loving God, and I was following him. But at 19, it just came to a whole new level. And it's like, okay, God, you can have everything. I'm going to follow you in every aspect and every area of my life. And in those 30 years of following him, God has not only done some amazing things in me, but God's been able to do some amazing things through me. And I think about our church, and I think about our community, and I think about our lives, and I think back over those 30 years of the the souls that have been saved, and the people that have been set free, and the bondages that have been broken, and the generational curses, literally, that have been abolished. I mean, we've been around now 30 years, we've been able to see God set one generation free and another generation walk in freedom that they never knew even existed a generation before, and now they're carrying out the mantle of God on their life, all because of the goodness of God. And let me just tell you something, every miracle, the miracle miracles, the healings, the deliverance, the breakthrough, the provision that I have seen in the last 30 years of my life. I'm telling you, it is unbelievable what God has done just in my life, and I know you have the same story. I talked to you, right? I know you. I mean, there is story story after story after story after story after story after story in this room here today of the supernatural, miraculous power of God that has been demonstrated from people being saved, set free, to financial provision, to healing, to breakthrough, to deliverance, to bond is being broken it is astounding what god has done and i hope you understand something all those things are only possible because of one reason we abide in him all those signs wonders and miracles do not exist if you are no longer following christ those are the fruits of faithfulness to follow him And he works in us and then he works through us to produce fruit that brings glory and honor to him. Look at that next point. The thing God loves most is a willing and a surrendered vessel. We have to love God enough to trust him with all areas of our life because nothing is too big and nothing is too small. Because if it's important to us, how many know it's important to our Abba Father? Come on, he's daddy God. God loves you. And nothing's too big and nothing is too small because God cares about you. But God loves a willing and surrendered heart. Isaiah uh, chapter 1 verse 19 and 20 says this, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Why? Because it's through a willing and obedient heart that we follow the path that God has for us. It's through a willing and obedient heart. And if you are not willing and obedient, you won't eat the good of the land. Why? Because you won't follow the path that God has laid out for your life. But you know what I also know? I know that in this room right here, many of you have experienced those moments in your life. Can you think back to a time where you stepped out in faith, you were willing and obedient, maybe you didn't know how it was all going to work out and you didn't really know what God was going to do. You just knew this is what he was telling you to do and this is where he was calling you to go and this is the next step he told you to make. And you know what happens every time you you step out with a willing and obedient heart, you know what happens in that moment, you always meet God there. Isn't it amazing? It doesn't always work out the way you imagine that it was going to work. But every time you step out with a willing and obedient heart, every time you do that, you encounter him. He is there. He shows up. He shows out. And he displays his power and his glory in ways that is unimaginable. Now look at John 14. Jesus said, I've told you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. And I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches, speaking of Satan, and he has no power over me. King James says he has nothing in me, right? Because when the devil has nothing in you, he has no power over you. Can I get an amen from somebody today? But I will do, look what he says in verse 31 But I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. Jesus is headed to the cross. This is where he's going. He's headed to the cross. And Jesus says, I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. See, we got to love God enough to trust Him when it's difficult. We got to love Him enough to trust Him when doing what God requires seems hard. How many know the cross was hard? (laughs) And this is what I'm going to tell you is going to happen. When you follow Jesus, He's going to begin to require some things of you. He's going to require you to start forgiving people you don't want to forgive (laughs) and start loving people you may not want to love and start blessing people you don't even want to bless and start serving people you don't have no desire to serve. (laughs) And before you know it, God is going to call you to live this crazy Christian life where you're loving your enemies and you're blessing those who persecute you and you're caring for people and you're serving people and you're helping people and you're loving people and no longer are you looking for a natural reward from them because you know that your reward comes from the Lord. And we've got to come to a place where we love Him enough and we trust Him enough that even when what He requires, what He's inviting us into, what He's calling us to, even though it's not simple and even though sometimes it's difficult and even though it seems like the hardest thing we've ever done in our life, we've got to take that step of faith and follow Him. Jesus made this statement in the Gospels. He said, in order to follow me, you've got to take up your cross and follow me. And then He makes this statement, and you have to deny yourself. I recognized something a long time ago. It's impossible to say yes to God and yes to my flesh all at the same time. <laughs> Somewhere along the line, I've got to deny myself. Somewhere along the line, I've got to say no to the lust of the flesh, the lust of and the pride of life that just wants to puff Keith up. And I've got to be willing to say yes to the things that God is calling us to do. So, lordship and leadership requires a denial of flesh, or at least the fleshly temptations that want to draw us away. Because let's be all, let's be really honest. Let's just bring it down really where we we understand this. We all want another piece of cake, <laughs> don't you? Thanksgiving's coming. I promise you, it is so good. I just want one more piece. That's just a simple thing. But you know what? Our life is filled every day with those little draws of the flesh. Just one more. Just one more moment. Just one more minute. Just one more conversation. Just one more. Just one more. Just one more. And if we're not careful, we'll allow the lusts of our flesh to lead us off the path that God intended us to follow. Because nothing is nearer and dearer to the heart of God than that we would be willing and obedient to follow Him. Because it's a willing and obedient heart to that puts us on the path where God's provision and protection is. Look at the last point. The solution to our problem is always more of Him. (laughs) It's more God. Lord, I need more of you. When we do life our way, we make God a passenger. We take the reins. Somebody said to me after the early service this morning, he said, You know, I was thinking as you were talking, Pastor Keith, and I realized that what we want to do on that little stagecoach is we want to take the reins and we want God to ride shotgun and protect us while we're doing our own thing. We want God to protect us while we do our own thing instead of riding shotgun with Him while we do His thing. And if we're not careful, we'll get it confused. Y'all ever seen those old bumper stickers that used to say God is your (laughs) co-pilot? Brother Jesse, who leads our 8 o'clock worship service, he said he had an uncle had one of those, and he ran right into a telephone pole and bent that sign right around the pole. Jesse said, I looked at him and said, man, sounds like you need to swap seats. (laughs) If God is your co-pilot, you need to swap seats. If you're not riding shotgun, you need to swap seats. You need to swap seats. Henry Blackaby made this statement. I want to share this with you. Henry Blackaby said, we need to stop asking God to bless what we're doing and we need to start doing what God is blessing. In James chapter four, James James makes this amazing declaration here in James chapter four, verse two and three. Look what he says. He says, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you can't get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And then verse 3. He says, and when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. Listen to what James says. James says our prayers are not being answered because we're trying to get God to do our will instead of surrendering through prayer to do His will. We want to drive the stagecoach, and then we want God to ride shotgun and protect us and bless us and prosper us and help us do the things we want to do. And God's saying, hey, we need to swap seats. God's saying, if you'll give me the reins of your heart and the reins of your life, and you can ride shotgun with me, I'm just going to tell you, it's going to be a great adventure. You're never going to be bored. I've said it many times. If you're bored living your Christian life, then you're not following Jesus. There's nothing boring about following him. Because he's going to put a shotgun in your hand, and he's going to say, we're going to go on this great adventure. You better hold on. And there are going to be thieves, and there are going to be burglars, and there are going to be robbers, and there's going to be adversity, and there's going to be trial, and there's going to be tribulation. But we're going to make it. Because I've got the reins, God said. James says, "You ask, but you ask a so you can consume it after your own lust." He said, "You're just praying, asking God to give you your will, instead of pr- using prayer to surrender to God's will." You got to swap seats. So I want us just to bow our heads this morning, because I know there's this tendency in all of us, and, and I hate to even confess it, but the reality is, as long as we have flesh, there's a there's a there's a draw to not only get lazy, but to begin to take the reins from God. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask you today, is there an area in your life where maybe you realize this morning, man, I've taken the reins away from God. Is there an area in your life where you realize you've stopped following Him and you've started telling Him what you want Him to do for you instead of following Him and saying, Lord, where are we going and what are you doing because I want to join you. See, as Christians, we we can do that. What's crazy is, is we can be following God spiritually or even relationally and we cannot be following God financially or even on our job or physically. And we can be thriving in one area of our life and we can be suffering in another area of our life simply because in one area we've given God the reins and in the other area we've taken it back. So today I want to just encourage you right now as you're there as a believer in Jesus Christ, let's just give the reins to Him. Let's just say, Jesus, take the wheel today. And God, from this moment on, I want to ride shotgun. I want to join you on your adventure. I don't want to to spend my life asking you to bless what I'm doing. I want to start doing what you're blessing, God. And I want to live the kind of life that declares a great adventure. And maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're watching online, and maybe you've realized today, hey, I've never given Jesus the reins of my life. I've always been in control. And maybe you realize today for the first time it's not working. You keep finding yourself in a place saying, how did I get here? How did I get here? How did I get here? I didn't want a divorce. I didn't want to file bankruptcy. I didn't want to lose my kids. I, I, didn't want to, I didn't want to go down another year of addiction. I I didn't want to do the things I'm doing. How did I get here? Let me tell you how you got there. Somewhere along the way, you turned your back on the call of God. But today, there's a God in heaven that loves you. And he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for you. And the Bible says that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Because the Lord is a good, good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. So if you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior today, and if you're here today in this room or you're watching online, if you're here today in person, I just want you just to raise your hand and say, today I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life today I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. This is your moment. The Holy Spirit is dealing with you. I just promise you right now. You might say, well, Pastor Keith, it feels like you've been talking to me this whole message. Well, the reason it feels like that is because God's been talking to you this whole message. And He loves you. And He loves you so much that He's calling you unto Himself. He's already went before you. He's already prepared a way through His Son. And He's saying, come unto me. Come unto me. And I will give you rest. If you've never done that and truly committed your life to Christ, just raise your hand. If you're watching online, just just type in that little comment box. Today, I'm raising my hand. Today, I want to accept Christ. This is your moment. I want to pray this prayer with you. I'm going to ask everybody here today just to pray it with me. And if you're watching online, you can pray this prayer. Let's just pray it out loud together. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I confess that I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord and my Savior. I commit my life to follow you. And I receive the gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a round of praise today. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.